Father, thank you for bringing us here today. Thank you that you're the God who guides us here, who calls us here, who uh, works in us to bring us here. Um, sometimes we're aware of why. Sometimes we're completely unaware. Sometimes we um, we are in a really tough, hard, difficult place. And we come here um, and sometimes we're just excited and full of joy and life is grand and we're here. We're all here for different reasons and we're all here um, to be part of this community. So Father, thank you for bringing us here together and Father, I pray that you would teach us your ways, that your word would come um, through me to these people, that they would hear you speak that all other voices would be silenced, the things that would distract us, the things that would call us away from you, the things that would not allow us to hear your voice. Um, Father, keep uh, Satan and his little minions and all his little workers far away. Um, Thank you for this place that you've given us where we can join together and bring you our worship and praise and bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. We're working through some of the basics of the village, and it's been fun because we did three sermons on the um, on the gospel, the gospel as story, identity, and as kingdom. And these are like the things that we stand on. And then we are looking through the uh, values of the village. Uh, You can find those on our website. There's descriptions of each of them. We're also working through uh, a Bible study based on our values in our pilgrim groups. So you can enjoy learning about them there. Um, So far we looked at the value of truth and our value of disciplines and our value of creativity And those values and the other ones that we'll be talking about are just bedrock to the way that we're church. Um, And today we're going to be looking at the value of community. Um, Community is a huge thing at the village. If there were a hierarchy of our values, this is probably the core value between uh, we know we have to have it based on the truth and the gospel. Uh, we know that we have to be disciplined in our relationships. We are creative. We're going to talk about um, the other's uh, authenticity and accessibility. But together we are a community. And so God calls us to be that. Um, I'm, I'm part of lots of communities, and I suspect that most of you are. I, I'm, uh, I have tickets part-time to the Arizona basketball games. So it's always fun to go be part of that community. It's really loud and raucous and fun, not at all like the village on a Sunday morning when everybody's asleep. (laughs) Um, I'm part of the Tucson community. Uh, We care about this city. Um, We care about what's going on in it. Um, But we're part of spiritual communities as well. I'm, I'm a... There's a group of Christian Reformed folks. Uh, I grew up in the Christian Reformed Church as a church denomination. 
Um, and I have community in that, and I have community in this group that uh, just writes and shares thoughts about things in the church. Um, I'm part of uh, Classis Arizona, which is a group of regional churches within the Christian Reformed Church. Um, but my uh, core belonging, um, the place where I experience the church most, is that is in this place, um, the village, and it's where God has called us to be in community with each other, and it's close up and it's real and it matters. Um, in our passage, um, and I'll just read it again, Romans fifteen five through thirteen. It says, "May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that one mind." With one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed, and moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles, I will sing the praises of your name, Again it says, Rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah said, The root of Jesse will spring up one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him the Gentiles will hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In this passage, we note that God gives us two interesting things when he calls us into community with each other. And one of those things, the first thing is, um, is not coming on the screen. Oop, too far. Endurance. There we go. Um, endurance. God gives us endurance. Um, Endurance is used here to mean patience or um, patience in our troubles, patience in our difficulties, patience with each other. Um, and, but it's also the idea of endurance uh, over a long period of time. So um, some of us endure better than others, right? Um, <laughs> And, and, but we're in this, um, kind of long slog of life together, right? Because life is difficult, um, and we need to endure, and, and God gives us that as a gift. It's, it's a sort of patience, patience in our troubles, patience in our relationships, patience with the evil, suffering, and struggle, and pain that's all around us, patience with each other. I like that idea. We're to endure each other, <laughs> right? Um, we're, we have to kind of endure each other. One of the passages that's uh, big in, in the village is uh, let us, Hebrews 10.24, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Um, 
that word means to, it's, it's spurring on, it's irritating each other. Well, you have to endure people who irritate you, right? Um, who push you to do things you don't want to do. Um, being in community is difficult. It's difficult because it requires that we submit to things that we don't like. It requires that we place relationship over things. It, it requires that we, we put relationship with each other over things that we think we're entitled to or have some right to. We're called to sit with people, all people, not just people we like. Have you noticed how we often do that <laughs> after the service? We all immediately go and spend time with the people that we like, right? Every one of us does it, right? Oh, I want to go hang out with that person because I like them. But, but when we're in community together, that's not what we're called to do. We're, in call, we're called to sit with people that we don't like, people we don't know, people that we're awkward around, people that we're really uncomfortable around. I, I, I love that some of you don't want to come sit with me because I'm scary or because I'm old or, or we have nothing in common or whatever. Like, I get that. Right? And I'm kind of the same way because I don't want to sit with some of you either because I have nothing in common with you. I don't understand you. I don't know how you think. You know about stuff I don't know about. You make me uncomfortable. But we're called to sit with people that we're awkward around, people we disagree with, people that are just totally our opposites. I love that when Jesus gathers disciples, he gathers people who are, who are, um, uh, Judaizers. They, they, are, they are diligent Jews who want to overthrow the Roman government and, and they're adamant about that and they are fierce in that. They are like super supportive of, this, uh, of the Jewish culture and the Jewish religion and they want to take over the world and they want to get rid of the Roman government and, and they, are, they are fighters in that. And he also calls a tax collector who works for the Roman government and, and the tax collector is hated and despised by, by Israel, by, by the Jewish people because they're like taking our money and giving it to Rome. And he calls both of those people and they sit next to each other. They're together because they're not together around political opinions or, or religious or beliefs in, in, in the culture around them. They're together because of Jesus. Same is true if you read, and you should, Romans 16. It's, the most, it's just a boring chapter if you don't think about it. It's all these people that Paul greets. And Paul just goes down this whole long list of people. And he says, greet this person and greet this person. They're all people in the church of Rome. And he's greeting them all. And he's talking a little bit about them. Well, if you go and investigate, all those people are very different. You have the grandson of Herod. Herod. The bad Herod, like the evil Herod. The grandson of Herod is part of the church in Rome. So are Greek slaves. People who've been enslaved by the, because they're Greek and, and that the Romans have enslaved and have brought and put to work for them. You have all these people sitting together in a room. And they don't kill each other. And they don't argue and they don't fight and they don't unfriend each other on Facebook. <laughs> they like each other. 
Because they're gathered not around this other stuff. They're gathered around Jesus. They're gathered around the gospel, the good news. But it's n- none of this is easy. It requires a special kind of endurance. And God gives us that. It's a gift that you can accept and walk in. If you are discouraged when you're here because people don't think the same way well, that you do, well, hello, they won't. But if you're here and you're part of this community, it's because Jesus is inviting you into a relationship with each other. So stop fighting about the things you can't fix and enjoy the beauty of who we are together in Christ. Second thing God provides us in this passage is the encouragement or comfort. Encouragement. Encouragement to do and be more and more like Christ. We, we're called to encourage each other. I love when I get a random text or an email that says something really encouraging to me. I, I often say, I, I could ride those things for a month. Have you, have you ever gotten a, a little note in the mail from somebody and just said, hey, thanks for being a nice person or whatever? Wow. You kind of go, oh, I want to live up to that, right? I wish I were. Like, man, I want to... <laughs> I want to be that person that that person's describing, right? We, we do that. Um, we love, I think, all of us when someone offers something good to us. Community is hard and it stresses us out. Sometimes when we're in the middle of the swamp of community, when we're in the middle of this thing that doesn't really work right, um, it's hard when you're there to look up and see the stars to, And when we think of encouragement, we often think of encouraging words. But in community, God also invites us into encouraging actions. God gives us the gift of encouragement to lift each other. Encouragement is also stirring up one another to love and good good deeds. There's that. But also in Hebrews we we get these words, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Do you ever think about that? There's a whole bunch of people gathered. When we, when we talk about the Catholic Church in our creed, when we say the creed, we say Catholic Church. It's, if you notice, it's Catholic with a small c. That word, contrary to what we say on the slide, says more than just universal church. We think of universal church, we think of the church everywhere on the earth. But it's not true. It's way more than that. It's church everywhere throughout the whole world. It's the church gathered in heaven already, looking down, cheering for us. They're for us. They're excited. A cloud of witnesses. 
who, who look and, and who invite us to follow Jesus, who are calling to us, who are, who are encouraged when we do that. It's hard to lay aside the weight of our sin, the weight of our relationships, our brokenness and our struggle. The endurance is tough. But we have these witnesses and we have the Spirit of God himself coming on us and in us to call us into deeper and greater intimacy with him and with each other. Encourage each other with actions. <clears throat> I, I always love when, when, like, I go in and I, I, I know that when I get home, I'm going to have to clean the kitchen because I'm a good cook, but I'm a messy cook. I think those two things go hand in hand, by the way. I don't think you can be a good cook if you're not a messy cook. It just doesn't happen. So, I, so, the, so the, house, the whole kitchen is a mess. There's gunk all over the floor. Dishes are stacked up in the sink. And I know I'm going to have to go home, and i got to clean that and get it all ready and fix it all up. And I come home, and I find that Kathy already did it all. And I go, wow, that is just amazing. That's just sweet. It just got taken care of. All of a sudden, this thing that I knew I would spend a half hour doing is done. We, we do that for each other. As we look to each other, we find ways to encourage each other. And that's different for every one of us. The passage says that we study each other. Like we, that we're looking at each other. That we're aware of each other. Do that. Encourage each other. That's what community is about. God gives us that as a gift. So if you don't feel like an encourager, or if you long to be encouraged, <laughs> right? If you really want to be encouraged, you say, Rod, nobody ever encourages me. Nobody's ever sent me a note. Nobody's ever texted me and said, wow, you're awesome. Boy, what I would give for that. Well, then go offer it. Go offer it. Start offering what you don't have. It's one of Rod's rules, by the way. You, I got lots of little rules. Offer what you don't have. If you want to be encouraged, encourage. Paul sends Timothy to the church to encourage them. And in later verses, he announces, Timothy has returned and we are encouraged. Isn't that great? Paul sends Timothy to go encourage the church. Go encourage that church. Oh, and then he comes back and who gets encouraged? Paul. Give away what you don't have. Community has a purpose. We're not just here because we decided to get crammed together for some unapparent reason. We're here to bring glory to God. And we bring glory to God, we, we bring glory to God when we gather as community, when we worship together, when we honor who he is and what he's done, when we invite each other deep into the gospel. To be invited into the gospel is to know that you are a sinner, to know that you're messed up, to know that you're struggling, that you're in pain, that you're suffering, all those things. 
but to be invited into considering who Jesus is and that God speaks to that. It's to bring glory to God for what he's done. <laughs> this place does not exist. It does not exist. Even though back when I was in my 20s and I was thinking about what it would be like to have a church like this, and I dreamed about it, and I thought, oh, we got to create a church like this. And this is what I was dreaming about. Even when that was true, it wasn't Rod's great vision or Eric's great vision or any of our great visions that brought this about. The purpose of gathering this community is to praise and bring glory to God. That's what that passage is about. Praising God. Honoring God. When we get together and we sing and we pray and we confess and we acknowledge, what we're doing is, is we're, as a community, bringing glory to God. That's a beautiful thing. To do that, we have to accept each other. Accept one another as Christ accepts you. <laughs> it's hard to accept each other. Because we do have all those political beliefs or, or the ways that things need to be done or, or whatever our traditions taught us, what, whatever we, identities we carry, all those things, um, it's hard for us to accept each other. passage's admonition is to accept one another as Christ accepts you. So how does Christ accept you? Does Christ accept you as somebody who's got it all together and got it, got it all right and you finally figured out how life works and you're doing really good things and, and then he says, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and let you into my kingdom because you've made the grade. No. Christ accepts you when you are standing there, fist in the air, screaming at him, cursing him, or totally ignoring him and pretending he doesn't exist. Christ accepts you when you have nothing but are full of sin and struggle and pain and hurt and, and, and you hate him. Christ accepts you then. And we're called to do that. Accept each other. That's crazy. That's hard to accept each other. Notice acceptance doesn't mean correcting each other. Although there's an invitation to do that as well. <laughs> if you see someone hurting themselves, you speak to that. Accepting one another isn't fixing each other. Because we all love to do that, especially those of us who lead, I think. It's one of our sins that we think we can fix stuff. We can fix people. Now, Jesus does all that. That's the Spirit's job. But he does it through us. He does it through community. So we speak truth to each other. We discipline ourselves. We go through these things that we value. We do those as a community, not because it then makes us acceptable, but because we are accepted and we long to be more and more like Jesus. To become more and more like Jesus, you have to become a servant. 
Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Becoming a servant. I don't know if you can read it. I certainly can't. Sometimes I'd wish I'd learned to play an instrument. (laughs) When we serve, we all want to be the guy who plays the drums. We all want to be the one who has a position that doesn't, it's not, it seems better than ours, right? But what we're really called to be is, is rowers, right? We're called to serve each other. We're called to serve the greater good. We're called to serve the kingdom. Serving each other. That means you can't think of yourself way too highly. <laughs> it means you have to think of others more highly than you think of yourself. Isn't that difficult? We are so wrapped up in being all that we can be, to quote the army, or be the best. We, we want to improve. We're called to be servants, and servants do things that no one wants to do. I tell this story way too often, and I make this appeal way too often. Um, But I'm going to do it again because I don't care. Um, Almost every Sunday night, Eric takes out the garbage. That's just weird. He's the pastor of this church. He's got status and position. He's one of the founding pastors. He's got... He's the guy we write the little blue sticker notes to and, and tell him how wonderful he is sometimes. But he's a servant. He's a servant of us. He's a servant of this community. All of your leaders are. They serve this community. They serve you. It's... It's not easy to be a servant. Sometimes we get kind of bitter and angry. We start comparing our servanthood with other people's servanthood. Stop it. It's fruitless. Serving each other. Serving each other requires that we care about the people around us. That we are studying them and looking to their needs and to provide for them. Most of us would like to have servants. We don't want to be servants. I love that every book of the New Testament um, from, I think, I, I, I don't think any of them miss out, but that all start like Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. If you go through them, Paul is always talking about, or whoever writes them is always saying, so-and-so, so-and-so, 
a servant of the Most High God. Paul always identifies himself as a servant of the Most High God. A servant. So in community, we say, I'm not serving you, I'm serving God. But I do that by serving you, by making myself available. It's hard. It was so hard. Jesus himself became human, humbled himself, became obedient all the way to the death, death on the cross, to serve us. And we're invited to do that. Some of you really object to um, this whole thing about community. Community's hard. I love Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, let the person who cannot be alone beware of community. Let the person who is not in community beware of being alone. For those of us who don't want to be here, you need to be here. For those of us who find life, think life is all here and we can't be alone, we need to consider what it's like to be in relationship with Jesus. But Jesus invites us into community. It's a bedrock of the village. You are here because we want you to be and we are and together we are a community. A community that's hard that God invites us into. Any thoughts, questions, one or two maybe? My runner, thanks. Can you provide some examples on how you encourage each other through actions? Sure. When you see somebody who's cooked the meal, doing the dishes afterwards, tell them to go sit down and let me take care of that for you. Simple things like that, right? We always like to make it complex and big, but it's just simple actions. It's, it's what my wife does so beautifully, like just offers, see things that need to be done and does them. Or in action, so often we do that with, like I said, with words, and that's good. Don't stop, ever stop doing that. But, but to find actions, even writing somebody a note, putting it in a mailbox, Knowing that when they open it up, how encouraged they're going to be. So, yeah, you use words, but those words have wings. They take action. Good question. Could you talk a little bit about maybe the joy and transformation that happens in community? Like, as you say, it's really hard. You said hard a lot, which I agree. True community is like sandpaper on flesh. I, I understand that. But maybe some of the joy and sure when you are together in intimate relationship with God of the universe and you're all headed that direction the growth of the intimacy between you and others also increases I cannot tell you how important it is to have community when you go through the struggles of life. When my dad died, to be surrounded by godly people 
who did actions, brought groceries, <laughs> who brought and cared for us, gave us things, who that kind of intimate relationship with people who you can trust. I'm going to I'm going to talk about Jeff because he's out in the kitchen cooking. Um but Jeff is a fabulous mechanic and he's fabulously godly. And to know that I'm in community with Jeff so I, well, I, you all know that my car blew up, and or a bunch of you do, and I had to go. I had to get another car, to know that. Because somebody said, "Well, you should go get a second opinion." Because if you just brought it to the one mechanic and he said your engine's bad, then it doesn't necessarily mean it's bad, because that's the way of the world, right? You don't trust the world, but I trust Jeff with my life, you know, because he's my Christian brother, and and to have the joy of that, you don't find that outside of the community of Christ gathered. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for bringing us into community with each other. Difficult as it is, Father, the sheer joy of being with you and with each other, of knowing each other, of serving each other, of being encouraged and enduring each other. Father, because of your goodness. Father, deepen our relationship with each other, deepen our intimacy with each other. Call us into the community that you've designed and created for us. We ask it in Jesus' name.